You're listening to the Community Podcast, episode 137. Reverend Andrew Moore begins a new three-week series on stewardship titled, What is Mine Is. This week's message is titled, Take Hold. If you would like to learn more, please visit comref.org. Thanks, Doug. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, Today, we are starting a three-week series on stewardship. Now, when you hear the word stewardship, the very first thing that comes to mind is money. Um, I want to tell you right out front, the next three weeks are not only going to be about money but what it represents, uh, the, the, the things that we have, the stuff that we hold on to. Um, so this week, next week, and the following week, uh, Trent asked us this morning in, in, in Breakwater uh, to open, open our hearts, uh, and the way he put it, lift up our eyebrows as we talk about our resources and talk about um, the importance of, of giving and using uh, the things that God has given us. Now, I wanted, I wanted to start uh, by... So we, we had talked about joy at our tables, the things that bring us joy. I, I want to start with a story about when I was a kid. Now, what sets us apart in some ways as human beings from the rest of the created kingdom uh, is that as human beings, you and I, uh, we invest. So we invest into things and expect a return. Animals do this too. So uh, one animal might, might uh, invest in the hunt and the return is food, right? Sustenance. Uh, some animals might, might invest in climbing, and they are expecting a return of, of safety, um, protection from, from the height. Some invest in a, in a pack for that same reason as humans. We, we invest in things with the expectation of return in more ways than one. One of those things is retirement. One of those things is saving money, putting aside. Um, sometimes we invest in, in watching sports for enjoyment. Uh, Sometimes we invest in, in, in music uh, for fulfillment and, and joy and these sorts of things. As human beings, we invest. We, we give ourselves, we take hold of things. And I want to tell you a story about when I was a kid. Um, and this isn't, it wasn't me taking hold of something. Uh, it was actually a cousin of mine. So I grew up with three cousins that lived pretty close. Um, we called them JBZ. Uh, Jason was the oldest. Uh, B and Z were the, the twin brothers. And we had a lot of fun. I mean, we, we raised a lot of trouble, right? Three, three boys, or four boys all growing up the same age. I have an older brother, so five boys growing up the same age. You can imagine the trouble we got. And this story happens when we were about 10 or 11, uh, maybe, maybe a little older. I don't remember exactly when, but we were playing Xbox. We were playing a game on the Xbox called Dungeons & Dragons, which is loosely related to the tabletop game, Dungeons & Dragons. And the goal of this game, you wake up in this game and you are heroes that have been sort of woken up from a deep slumber in the crypts underground. You wake up and you're supposed to face then the ever-present evil in the world. There's this great evil that's been raising up in the world. You're supposed to face these things. And I know all of you guys are interested in this like 10, 15-year-old video game, but bear with me. So we start to play, and the way that you can play, you start a new game, which gives you a new character. You can select a, a hero, whether it's a, a fighter, a mage, a cleric, whatever it might be. You choose who you want to be, and then you, you play through. And what's great is you don't, you know, you're not killing other humans. You're, kind of, you're killing like beasts and spiders and trolls and goblins and these sorts of things uh, while building your character up, gaining gold, buying armor, buying weapons, finding weapons and armor that are uh, custom suited to your character, and you trade and barter and fight with your teammates and kind of this collaborative thing. So when you start over on a game, you get to choose whether you want to start a new character or load one that you previously played. Now, three of us that were playing out of the four wanted to start over. Z did not want to start over, but wanted to load one of his old characters. 
who was admittedly much better than the rest of us. So we were all of one accord except for him uh, thinking, you know, this is not going to be fair. If you are playing with your renewed, uh, I mean, not, not renewed, your, your old character who's got all this armor and gold and, and money uh, and, and weapons, it's not going to be fun for us because you're going you're gonna to take all the points and, and win. That's, that's not going to be fair at all. So we, we put our foot down and said, Z, no, you can't do this. We're not going to have it. And he didn't like that. So he's 10 years old, 11 years old. So you know, as the responsible young boy he was, he said, okay, you know, I won't, I won't. No, he, he, he insisted, right? He was going to be this character and he was going to have these weapons and this armor and this gold and all this stuff. So we got into a fight. And the oldest brother, Jay, he stood about a foot taller than, than the three of us. So he put his foot down. He took the control out of his hands. Our, our voices erupted into this, 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 this mangled mess of, 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 little boy anger that we were kind of harnessing inside because of this game. We were, we were invested in this game and, the, and, then the, and our voices raised so loud that, that their dad came in and he wasn't happy about what we were screaming at 10 years old and how loudly we were screaming at 10 years old because of this video game. So we explained to him, you know, um, we had a delegate. Uh, I was the delegate since I wasn't one of the brothers um, to explain, look, Steve, we all want to play this game and we want to start over. And your youngest doesn't want to. It doesn't make sense that we should let him if we all agree. And I want him on our side. So he said, son, you're going to have to start over. What do you think Z said? Not going to happen. That anger started welling up inside. Our voices erupted once again. So Steve said, all right, son, we're you're done. You can't, you can't play. Uh, he wasn't having that either. So Steve began to drag his son out of the room. And in a fit of rage, uh, Z found these drumsticks on the ground and he picks them up and he starts hitting his dad. And his dad is dragging him out now by his feet. And his shirt's coming up, like his pants are coming up because he's fighting for his life because he wants to play this video game as the character that he wants to play it. And he's not having it. Steve grabs the drumsticks, takes them out. All of this investment for a video game. Now, some of you are thinking that's ridiculous, but I have seen grown men uh, yell vigorously at their TVs when their favorite sports ball team is losing, right? <laughs> when the ball didn't go the certain distance and all that, you know, all the point stuff. I've seen, I've seen people my age lose it uh, by watching a TV series when, when, when their favorite character uh, dies or whatever it happens to be and just, just lose it. We invest ourselves. We take hold of things and make them our own more so, I think, than any other creature. And that's what we're talking about today. When we, when we take hold of these things in our lives, when we decide uh, I'm going to take hold of that and I'm going to hold on tight, make it my own, it's going to be a part of my identity, and we invest in it, expecting a return of joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, all these sorts of things. That's what we're talking about today. And not, not, just, not just about money, but all the things that we have that we like to take hold of, and part of that is money. Uh, there's a common phrase, what's mine is yours, right? When, when we get married, that's, that's kind of what you say. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. And, I, and I've, I've heard it said. I've, I've, I've never said this, um, you know, to, to, to Ellen. What's mine, is your, or, uh, what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours. Um, that's not how marriage works. What's mine is yours and yours is mine. Um, but we're going to be talking about that. The gifts that we've been given, whether it's uh, material, whether it's uh, gifts, whether it's uh, all sorts of things. And we're going to do that by diving into First uh, Timothy 6. Now, I want to spend just a minute talking about what's happening, um, what First Timothy is, who Timothy is, who wrote this, so we get 
get an idea of why he's writing. A guy named Paul wrote this letter. This is a letter. So if you open up your grandma's mailbox, um, open up a letter that's to her, uh, you understand some of the things that are written to her were specific to her. So that helps us to understand when we read this letter from 2,000 years ago almost, uh, it helps to understand what's going on in the context and the culture so we can read the letter and understand what he's talking about. So this is about 30 years after Christ uh, died, resurrected, and ascended, and the church is spreading. The church is spreading like wildfire, and Paul, uh, who used to be Saul, persecuting the very church now he is pastoring over, um, Paul sends this guy named Timothy to a city called Ephesus. And there's another letter in our Bible called Ephesians, which is to this same church. Then you read Acts, you see Paul's time in Ephesus. We, We can read a whole bunch about this city of Ephesus, but Timothy... It's like Paul's apprentice. Um, you'll see in my name tag, it says apprentice pastor, uh, which means I have the, the wonderful, incredible privilege of, of pastoring and learning and growing uh, under the, the mentorship of this guy and of Trent and the other pastors that are here so that when I make mistakes, I can just blame it on them. <laughs> it's wonderful. But this is kind of the, this, this sort of arrangement is sort of the, uh, the influence behind this apprentice pastor role. So Paul is writing to Timothy as Timothy is kind of overseeing this church in Ephesus uh, with words of wisdom. Paul speaks to Timothy. Paul speaks to the church. And we get to dive in and listen to these words. If you want to follow along, it is pretty close to the end of your Bible uh, if you pick one up at the table. Otherwise, you can follow along here on the screen. And I'm going to stop here and there throughout the text. We're going to read uh, verses 3 to the end. So, if you would follow along with me. Not out loud. 1 Timothy chapter 6, right before verse 3. Teach and urge these things, Paul says. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit. And understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions. I want to pause there for a minute. This is about 30 years after Christ. Uh, and this new church that's forming, this new community that's building, these people are new to the, many of these people are new to the faith. They didn't grow up with the Jewish traditions, so they didn't grow up in the church. They're learning, how do, I, how do I take all the patterns, traditions, habits that I've got, and now I've got this new life in Christ, how do those work themselves out in reality, like day to day? at my job, in my family, uh, with my friends, uh, all these sorts of things. They're trying to figure that out. And Paul says, look, we have the teachings of Christ. Now, they don't have these, they probably didn't have, you know, a, a Bible that's kind of nicely bound like this and, and organized and laid out. They couldn't turn to the gospel of Luke or Matthew, Mark, <clears throat> uh, or John. But this is only 30 years out. They've got these words that people still remember firsthand, probably. Uh, or, or second, these stories that they've heard from their parents and their parents. He said, rely on the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word sound is a medical term, more like, more like healthy, the healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if anyone teaches a different doctrine than the one Jesus taught, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving and controversy for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions. How many of us in this room know somebody who's obsessed with uh, slander, who's obsessed with uh, envy, who's obsessed with uh, controversy? 
So in seminary, we have, I graduated from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. And of all the classes and all the conversations and all the debates that we had in all of our classes, learning about really, really, really cool stuff, the biggest, most heated debate wasn't about uh, justice, wasn't about like the hypostatic union, how is Christ man and God. Uh, it wasn't about the resurrection or eternal life or anything like this. It was about end times. Uh, anyone familiar? Just the, uh, an iota of end times stuff, right? Christ is coming back. And the idea is how, does, how do things happen around and through that? That was the biggest debate. So does, does Christ come before this thousand-year reign that's talked about in, uh, in, in the book of Revelation? Is that thousand-year reign happening now? Does he come after it? When he comes, is there seven years of tribulation? Is, is fire going to come down? Are we going to be taken up? Do we believe in the rapture? All this stuff, the most heated debate is on something that the Bible says the least about compared to a lot of the other stuff. Because we focus in on, on tiny details. Sometimes we miss uh, the foundational, fundamental pillars of our faith. And as we keep reading, we find out people are using these small, minute distinctions for their own gain. Verse 5 continues, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. These people were using uh, the words of God, kind of shifting the teaching so that it would benefit them, whether that's financially, situationally, economically, relationally, socially, all these things, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. This idea that uh, if we believe, if we have faith, if we have trust, we will be given good things, good things will come our way. That's not the gospel. If we believe, have faith, and if we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have life. And he goes on, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Paul's saying, look, godliness is not a means for personal gain. Godliness is the gain itself. As we pursue Christ and who he is, and he recognizes if all we have is food and clothing, which is what we need to survive, with these things we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, which is a super commonly misquoted verse of the Bible. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some of us have heard it said, uh, for money is the root of all evil. That's not what scripture says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. While Paul is, is kind of guiding and shaping this community, he recognizes that some of the habits that we have, some of the unhealthy pursuits that we have, not only are they not good, but they're going to be painful to us. He's not just saying, avoid them because they're bad. He, he's saying, look, you're, you're going to hurt yourselves with these pursuits. It's not going to go well. But as for you, this is a transition here. Now, he's saying, as for you, O man of God, verse 11, flee these things. Run away from them. Get out of here. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things 
and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, verse 14, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Paul's like on a roll here. Something we, we kind of miss out on in the, in, the, in, the, in the West Michigan church is that when Paul was done here, you would probably hear from the crowd like an amen, right? Like, can I get an amen? amen. There it is. He's on a roll. He has to stop and say Amen. <laughs> Then he goes on, as for the rich in this present age, which you and I are a part of that reality, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, prideful, arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. Command them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Now that, that you right there is a southern word, y'all. It's not just you, Timothy. He's now talking to this greater church. Grace be with y'all. Paul is drawing a distinction here. Now first, I want to back up here. Paul talks about money. He talks about the things that we have He talks about richness, wealth, prosperity. And I want you to notice he doesn't say, for those in this present age who are rich, shame on you. He doesn't say that. In fact, uh, right before verse 18, when he tells people not to put their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That last line. Like, we sometimes believe the lie that if we serve Jesus, we can't enjoy life, right? That true, great, heroic faith uh, is reserved for those who are spiritually enlightened and can put off everything and get rid of everything and who live with nothing and have nothing. But Paul says right here that we've been given these things to enjoy. And so we have this, this weird back and forth battle of what's too good, what's too fancy, what's too much, what's, what's too expensive to buy. Like how nice of a car can we drive, right? as followers of Christ? Is there a number that we can follow? How big of a house can we buy? Is like a thousand square feet, like the, the limit of, you shouldn't go above that if you, if you don't have a large family because at that point then you would kind of be like rich and haughty and prideful. No. How nice should our lawn look? We, we get into these ruts of, of I, w- I want to enjoy the things that God has given, but I don't want to be prideful and arrogant about it. But I want to tell you today, we can glorify God with the things he's given us. Because he's given us them to enjoy. But Paul makes a distinction. He asks us to take hold of eternal life. 
Now, when we started, uh, we started this morning, we talked about investing. We talked about things that bring us joy. We talked about things that we take hold of. That take hold of, it's got like this active part about it. It's not just like, um, it's like passively in, in my hands. It's like this, this grasping, take and make your own, hold it, hold on to it. This is an active thing. Take hold of eternal life. But you and I, Take hold of so many things. I, I've, got a, I've got a picture up here uh, that I, that I want to show. This is my house right before we bought it last April 20. So this is where I live. That's my house in Granville. If you come on Tuesday night, that's what you'll see just about right there. All right, can we go to the, that next photo? Here's the backyard. Nice, nice grass, fence, uh, nice driveway, little fire pit there, um, nice, little, nice little garage. Uh, on, my, on my better days, on my good days, I often look at everything I have and say, it's not much, but it's enough. How, how sad is that? I mean, not how sad is that. I really love that. But how sad is it that on, on, my, on my good days, I take a look at the things that I have and I say, it's not, it's not much, but it's enough. I've been richly, richly blessed. But there are so many things in my life that I take hold of, that I hold on to actively, that I pursue, that I let define me. And I believe that's true for many of us in this room. So I, I wanted to think of a, of a tangible way to kind of represent that. And so I've got all these boxes laid out here. Each one of these things uh, represents something that we hold on to. And so I just want to start. Maybe for you, uh, one of the things that you hold on to um, is, is having a nice home that looks good so that when your neighbors are over and they see it, um, they are impressed by how, how nice things look and how clean and tidy they are. That is not true for my house. If you come on Tuesday, you'll, you'll find that out. When we pack like 26 people in there, it's, it's awesome and messy and like hot and, and muggy, but it's, it's, it's awesome. So maybe the thing that you hold on to tightly is, is your home. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just outside of your house. Uh, maybe it's your, your yard. Uh, and, and you want it to look nice so that uh, when people see it, they think they've got, they've got their lives together. Uh, or or maybe, maybe, yours is, maybe yours is your phone, uh, which, you know, mine's in my back pocket. Maybe, maybe yours is your phone. So you start to, to hold, on, hold on to this. Or maybe, maybe yours is, is your car. Um, and you, you want to have a, a nice car so that when people see you, they think you're a respectable, you're a respectable person. Um, maybe it's self-image, right? Maybe, maybe your thing that you are holding on to and, and, and balancing and, and making your own is, is self-image. Image maybe uh, maybe it's social media, maybe the thing that you hold on to is is social media, or or maybe it's it's in this room where some of you really like uh, a certain specific style of, of worship, and so um, if it's not that, then you don't want any part of it. Uh, oh, I'm gonna yep. So that's that's already dropping there. Um, we're gonna pick that up. All right, cool. Uh, so maybe maybe yours is uh, maybe yours is education, uh, and 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 we constantly pursue. Uh, attaining knowledge and, uh, and, and in a way to kind of fulfill us, uh, we, we pursue these things. And uh, maybe, maybe yours is financial security. Maybe, maybe you really love to plan ahead and plan for the future for retirement. Um, and maybe, maybe yours is, you know, having, uh, not necessarily retirement, but having money to spend on the weekends. 
and all that, all that good stuff. Ellen and I just went on vacation um, a couple of weeks ago. So maybe, uh, maybe you live throughout the year so that um, when the time comes, you can vacation well. And that's something that you, you really hold on to. Uh, it, it could be that the thing that you hold on to is a specific... Oh, thanks. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, maybe it's a specific style of clothing uh, or, or maybe... Oh, well, yeah. So maybe it's, maybe it's um, something you hold on to is... Is, is fatherhood or, or motherhood that is, is really a part of, of who you are and, and that's uh, hey Doug you want to follow me over here yeah thank you uh, and maybe it's not just like good things maybe maybe something we really hold on to um, is 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 uh, our, our language here I can hold it down here perfect is our language and how we use that in our relationships um, here let's yeah this, you want to tuck it under my chin or something like that uh, maybe something that that we all hold on to um, is the, the, the way that, that people see how we interact with, with others. Uh, okay, um, can I have that one right there? Uh, for me, a big one is, is music. This is the box to uh, my, my boss, Blues Driver, which is really awesome. Um, and when I bought it, I thought, you know, I need to have that. So I bought that. Uh, all right, um, we, we have some more over here. Uh, and this one, yeah, well, uh, that, how about technology? Uh, we, can, we can kind of put this... I'll just hold that right here. Um, maybe, maybe the constant pursuit of, of the bigger uh, and, and the better. Um, maybe, oh, oh, hello, sorry, I needed that. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh yeah, put that right here. Oh, perfect. Uh, maybe it's good grades. Maybe, maybe all of your life, uh, like many of us, uh, we were, hey, what, come on, what's, I need that. <laughs> uh, maybe it's to, to get, yeah, get, sorry, okay, perfect, thank you. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's good grades. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe it's um, playing sports. Is that the freaking blues driver again? Okay, no, it's not. Thank you. Yep. Maybe it's playing sports. Um, that Kleenex would be awesome. The Kleenex box. If that, okay, perfect. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, watching sports. I know some people, uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't watch too much of the sports ball, um, but like when the Lions lose or, or win, that, that can make or break your day or your week or your, or your month. We, hold, we start to hold on to these things. Thank you. Is that the blues driver? That is. That oh, is. I'm going to hold on to that tight. Um, yeah, thank you. Are there any more boxes up here? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the thing that you hold on to uh, is, oh, I'm, okay, if I lean back, um, is your personal fitness, right? Uh, wait, that one's for later. You can put that one down. <laughs> oh, that's, that's another one. Okay, is that the, uh-oh. Yep, okay, thank you. Thank you. Just, yeah, just place it there. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe the thing you hold on to is good food. Uh, thank you. Thank you. This is perfect. Now, Paul says, yeah, Paul says, take hold of eternal life. Take hold of that which is truly life. Uh, Doug, can you pretend to be Jesus for just a minute? We all know Doug is not Jesus, right? Can we just say that? Doug is not Jesus? All right, perfect. Uh, now, what Jesus wants is, is a relationship with us. Uh, can you give me a hug? What, yeah, go ahead. Just, just give me a hug, dude. Uh, what am I not doing in return? If I were to embrace and, and take hold of that which is eternal life, which Doug is not Jesus. Doug is not Jesus. It might take dropping this stuff. And it might be messy. It might, it, it might, oh wait, that's the blues driver. I want to be careful with that. Uh, it, it might 
you know, fall apart and not look the prettiest. Uh, but if we are to take care of eternal life, if we are to take hold of eternal life, we have to have arms open to grab it. Now, if you notice, I'm standing next to all this stuff that's been given. It's not out of my life entirely. It's here and I can enjoy it. But I've got arms now that I get to embrace Jesus, that which is truly life. So my question for all of us this morning, myself included, this morning I was wrestling with the, with the, with the temptation, the urge to, to perform. So I, I, I was setting up the room, I was downstairs, I was, I was wrestling with the temptation that, uh, to, to perform and, and, and deliver a good sermon, whatever that means. What in your life needs to be let go of? so that you can take hold. Even if you just have this one thing that you are taking hold of, I was originally gonna have this be Jesus. If you have this one thing uh, that's, that's, this is really hard to pick up, that's, I mean, you, could, you could maybe kind of haphazardly like, you know, if it's one thing, what do we need to let go of so that we can embrace eternal life? Oh, that's my name tag. So I wanna ask you that. You don't have to shout it out, but today we're going to receive communion. And while we receive communion, we get to partake and participate in the very thing that gives us eternal life, Christ and his sacrifice. Now remember, there's no limit on how nice of a car we can drive. There's no limit on how big of a house we can have or how nice of a lawn we should, we should keep up with. And what's awesome is that we're talking about stewardship and I have no idea how much you give or don't give to the church, but I know many of you in this room who give so much, whether it's opening your homes, whether it's opening a property that's owned, whether it's bringing food, whether it's uh, meeting needs of the community. I know that all of you do that and that's incredible and that's where it's at. That's where it's at. But today, especially while we receive communion, I wanna ask you to prayerfully ask God to point out the things that we are taking hold of, that we're holding tightly onto, that need to maybe be loosened. We're going to celebrate uh, communion today, which is a, a feast of communion, sorry, remembrance, communion, and hope. It's a feast of remembrance in that while we receive it, we remember what Christ did on the cross. The sacrifice that he made for you and for me. It's a feast of communion in that you and I are united in Christ and we get to dine with Christ, unified with him and with others in loving community. And it is a feast of hope that Christ has obtained for us life-giving spirit and the resurrection, eternal life. That this feast is a foretaste of the feast to come. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it, saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup when they had supped, after they had eaten, To take, drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me.
Now, in Mosaic, the way we receive communion is through intinction, which means you take off a chunk of bread and you dip it in the grape juice and you receive grace. Now, we'll have one cup that gluten hath not touched (laughs) and another cup which gluten hath touched. I'm going to ask Bob to come on forward. Bob's going to help us out. So it's going to be a little messy with these boxes, which is kind of the point. But I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come forward. If you can say, Jesus is Lord and Savior and mean it, you are welcome to the table, this communion, this feast of remembrance, communion, and hope. This bread which we break is a communion of the body of Christ. And this cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. We're going to invite the, the band to come forward. And you guys, can, you can just come when you're ready and they'll, they'll jump up there. Come for all things already. You want to switch me sides? I, I got on the wrong side here. <laughs>